Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, US Gamers official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining to me, as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, I am indeed joining to you, and now we are a single entity. Beautiful. Big week, Nadia. Big week for RPGs, I would say. Yeah, it's about as big as they come. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 is in the wild. Yeah, well, no, it's not in the wild. The reviews are in the wild, though. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking they're just kind of like out there stalking us. Uh, I mean, we were, I, I don't, I, this isn't bragging. We were one of the few sites to actually seemingly get review code. I don't know what the heck Square Enix was actually doing uh, or what yeah. they were thinking with this. That was weird because uh, we got code. Uh, Eurogamer did not, did they? No. Uh, in fact, a lot of Europe didn't get review codes. Uh, I know. Oh. Pretty sure VG247 didn't get one either. The Eurogamer and VG are, of course, both our sister sites. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to these publishers, it's a question of uh, often they are operating independently from one another. So America, America's mm. PR is going to be different from Europe's PR, for example. Uh, yeah. But it sounds like Square Enix was being extremely cagey with codes in general, and everybody was having a hard time getting them. And it's unclear whether they were nervous about the reaction, the reception, or if they were nervous like about the leaks because it had already yeah. leaked. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure myself. But uh, yeah, we were blessed, I suppose. I suppose so. But you can find Katie's review on the site right the heck now and go check it out read it and we're going to have her on the podcast in the next segment to talk about it um otherwise it's been a pretty busy week on usg in general nadia uh today the anthem vip demo launched and by today i mean as of this recording and i got a chance to play it earlier this week and i talked about how it's dynasty warriors with big stompy robots yeah which uh, i used to be pretty happy about it (laughs) you know i think in hindsight i should have picked a different headline maybe i should have said something more to the effect of anthem is dynasty warriors with big stompy robots will that be enough Mm, is that enough ultimately because when you so i played a lot of anthem i played like eight hours of anthem yeah you were gone all day yeah and i can right now talk about the beginning section of the game that i played and when you first start playing it it's really fun Mm -hmm. it is super duper fun you're in one of four different robots, uh, the Interceptor or the Colossus or the Ranger or the Storm. That's my favorite one because you're basically Magneto in robot form. That's pretty cool. Yeah, like you're floating around. You got a gun. You're shooting light, fire and ice and lightning out of your hands. You've got the shield like Magneto. It's cool. Yeah, actually. I was thinking you were like throwing around metal. I'm like, what kind of metal are you finding on that like planet full of like wild animals and wood? Uh, it's super fun to fight enemy mobs. They they blow up real good. They really yeah. got the explosions right. Everything is super detailed, the robots in particular. And I don't know if it goes any deeper than that. Mm, that yeah. is a bit of a problem. That is a bit of a problem because this is supposed to be a service game where you care about your character. And right. I think it gets something very key wrong. And I'm interested to see if this changes. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that they give you enough ownership over your character. In that they don't let you customize them, they don't let you control them enough? Like, what do you mean, particular? 
Well, let's think about Destiny, which is this game is the nearest comparison point. Uh-huh. With Destiny, you are playing as a person, and when you get a new piece of armor, that armor changes your look, uh, gives you a clear sense of progression. You get a rad gun. The gun is pretty rad as well. Uh, as you get more and more powerful guns, the guns look really cool. The weapons look cool. You get new abilities. You yeah. feel more powerful, right? right. Uh, Anthem's really esoteric mm-hmm. in the sense of the javelins are actually interchangeable. So uh-huh. you can get into one of four different, your tired interceptor, jump into the Colossus and get the gear there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different things to upgrade your unit, lots of stats to parse through. You can get different weapons from them. This is all great and fine and dandy, but your loot does not change the appearance of your robot. Ooh, that is a... It sounds on paper like, oh, big deal, but that is a big, big deal for a, a game like that. That just turns me right the heck off. Instead... You can buy different skins or different improvements, cosmetic improvements from the store. Mm-hmm. Well, which is a micro—it's a microtransaction-driven yeah. thing. Yeah, it and really is. Yeah, the free micro—the free cosmetics are your paint job, which is fine, whatever. It's a paint job. I think that you can still customize your unit, and you can still, you know, earn money in game. Uh-huh. to buy different things uh, and customize the look of your unit. A little like Pokemon Go, right? Right. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I'm i not sure that there's enough sense of you are owning your character, right. you are making real progression. Right, because I was just thinking about how much, uh, how many hours like you and many, many people have actually spent on like Monster Hunter World because it's like, hey, I want this really cool set of armor that's not only functional, but makes my my character look so badass, and kind of I get to own that all that hard work I did. I mean, this is something that goes way back, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, being able to see the actual changes to your unit, so and then also, like I said, the fact that the the robots are actually interchangeable. Yeah. I wonder if that was a mistake. I wonder if they gave players too much freedom in that regard. Like maybe maybe too. it should have been that you choose your robot at the beginning and you build up that robot and mm-hmm. as you get different parts and add to it maybe you should have been able to name your robot uh i agree and basically your robot is your avatar but it's the cool ship that you're flying around in and as of right now it's kind of your robot is no really not that different from anybody else's robot unless you buy the super special skin from pre-ordering the game yeah, and uh, it just feels, by the sounds of it, for lack of a better word, it just sounds impersonal a little bit. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I feel like, yes, if you are if you have a game that's all about, like, this, like, deadly world where you, you and, it's you and your robot against everything, your robot it should be something you live and die by, not like, oh, I'm, I'm tired of you, I'm going to this robot, oh, take me back, please. Sort of like Titanfall 2, where the robot was your buddy. Exactly. I was thinking Titanfall 2. It's like, I know not too many people played the, the single-player campaign, but by all uh, by all uh, accounts, the, the robot is your friend. Yeah. It's like a little dog, but it's, it's giant and stompy. Yeah. And that's, that's all anybody wants, is a dog that's giant and stompy, like Clifford, except mechanical. And also, 
Oh, okay. So I'm not allowed to talk about some of the stuff that comes up later. Mm-hmm. I will just say that I have some concerns that uh, the tactics that I use later on don't change all that much from the beginning to the end. Again, robbing me of a somewhat clear sense of progression. So if the loot doesn't matter to me, why do I get on that loot treadmill? Exactly. That's a good point. I think the only reason I would do that is because, as EA has revealed in the past, there are multiple difficulty levels, and you can really tune your robot to a, to a fine point. And mm-hmm. I think there might be enough high-level content to kind of keep people happy. And... Beyond that, actually, the story might be okay. We'll see. <laughs> I have no opinion about the story. I, I forget what the... We were making fun of the villain. He was a doctor. Oh, it wasn't he like called like Dr. Evil or something silly like that? No, it was that. like, like Dr. Just, Hardick or something. I was... Yeah, I was like laughing my ass off. I can't remember what his name was now. I was like making fun of him in Slack. We were... You know, <laughs> anytime you have an, a villain named Doctor or something... Yeah, yeah, it's you, uh, you start joking about having a, a degree from Evil University. Yes, yes, he was. And their great rivalry with villain villain state. <laughs> <laughs> now I need a song and everything. Yeah, so I think that it already looks like one of the dumber um, uh, Bioware stories. That's too bad. But I don't know. The story could be okay. The, the the little people that live in Fort Tarsus seem cool enough. Which, by the way, speaking of ownership, why don't you have your own spaceship or something? Yeah, and isn't this... Uh, I think we, we discussed this before, but this is a game where you can't have relationships, can you? Uh, yeah, you can have relationships. Oh, I thought there couldn't be romances or something. It's not romances. Ah. So the way it works is that you uh, you get to know these faction leaders who live mm-hmm. in Fort Tarsus, and you develop a relationship with them. And the more you talk to them and the more you take their missions, and you make certain uh, decisions, there are decision points that you make, uh-huh. where I think you align with one of the factions, and that changes the look of Fort Tarsus. Oh, Okay. And that is meant to give you a greater sense of ownership over the fort. I I was kind of paying, not really paying much attention at all to Fort Tarsus. It was Uh just a hub area like so many others. Yeah. The whole thing kind of reminds me a little bit of the new LA from Xenoblade Chronicles X. Yeah. Maybe less crappy rap music, but yeah. I think the single great easiest way to give somebody a sense of ownership in an online game is to either give them player housing uh-huh, or give them a spaceship, which is basically player housing, and make yes, it customizable. It Let them put in furniture or something, decorate it. I'm Name it. I'm playing Stardew Valley like crazy right now. There's only one reason. There are two reasons that I'm playing it. Uh-huh. One is uh, I want to marry Abigail. Yes, that's a good good goal. And two is I just want to make a really nice looking farm. Yes. That's it. And you can. It's just get lots of different stuff. And yeah. I don't know. I, I think Anthem might be missing that. I'm not sure what EA is, who, who EA is trying to rope in, I think. Uh-huh. I think they're going for a certain hardcore kind of player who uh, is like super competitive 
And I think that might be a mistake, actually. I think mm-hmm. that you should start broad and then be able to go narrow rather than starting narrow and also trying to get some broad people in on a broad sense. This is a problem yeah. they have with Madden and FIFA, actually. They start really narrow. They, they cater almost exclusively to the hardcore and then scro- throw scraps to everybody else. <laughs> but if the thing is, Madden and FIFA have like really established audiences. They're really established, and it's kind of incestuous, actually. Ew, but yes. Yeah. I was going to say, this This was a thing with... Um, so, okay, so Tim Rogers put out a podcast, or he put out a video earlier this week, where mm-hmm. he said that Kingdom Hearts 3 is unreviewable. Right, I saw that. And in this video, he asserts that Somebody who plays Kingdom Hearts 3, or who loves Kingdom Hearts, who's played all of the Kingdom Hearts games, know everything there is to know about Kingdom Hearts, watches all of the videos about Kingdom Hearts, hangs out in the community, write, writes a fan fiction, can tell you about all of the biographical information about the characters, can pick out the smallest Easter eggs in Kingdom Hearts 3. He asserts that no journalist can possibly match up to the knowledge level of that re- of that person, right? Unless and Katie. That's true. Mm-hmm. Journalists, you know, even Katie, I I mean, I don't think she is that immersed in Kingdom no, Hearts. No, she's not she's not that hardcore. I don't think she's writing any fan fiction that she's telling us about. Ooh. <laughs> Scandal. She grew up with it. She loves it. She's played all the games. Uh she she knows the characters and everything, but she's not the one percent of super fans. Mm-hmm. But right. I think that you can become such a, a fan of a thing that it completely warps your understanding or it completely warps your ability to actually review a thing. Right. Uh, I think you, right. you become so bound up in tiny little concerns that you completely lose sight of the bigger picture with, uh, with, a, with a game in particular. Mm-hmm. You, you obsess over the tiny little details that people are like, what? And you're like, no, this is a big <laughs> deal. And you're like, what do I care about this? You sound like a crazy person. Yes. <laughs> it's a big deal, guys. Well, it goes all the way back to the original Kingdom Hearts. Do you have two hours? I really need to break this down for you. <laughs> so I just want to know if the game's good, man. Yeah. No, I, I see where he's coming from. And it's the same with Madden and FIFA, where Madden and FIFA players are going, okay, but in FIFA 17, mm-hmm. the animation on the kicking wasn't very good, and then they changed it in FIFA 18, and they're back in FIFA 19. And what's going on, EA? What is going on? And people are like, I just, can I play as PSG? Can I play can as I Arsenal? The, yes. Can I kick the ball? Can I kick a ball? Is it fun to play? <laughs> I, I don't know. What are you even talking about? And so with Anthem, I'm concerned that once again, BioWare is, is in this mindset of, I, we have to make sure that they're, it's able to cater to the super high-level whales who are going to spend money and are wanting to put five billion hours into this game. And I don't know. I, I think you got to hook in. You got to hook people in first. You got to make them want to get to that content. Right. And uh, obviously some of the things that they could do, we've discussed here, that they, as far as I know, clearly aren't doing. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll they will do more of that in that regard. And it's hard to tell from playing at an event, even if you play for a long mm-hmm. period of time, because it's not your character, 
right? That's true. That is very true. I'm just playing with the this character that they've put down for me. So it's hard to get a sense for how the loot comes in, uh, what it's like to get a new javelin. Uh, maybe I will feel a much greater sense of ownership uh, as the game progresses. And maybe the combat is a lot deeper than it looks. But Yeah, it could be. And uh, with the demo out, who knows? Maybe we'll find out more soon. The nicest thing I can say about Anthem is, A, it's gorgeous. It is a beautiful it game. Nice. You really nice. feel the heaviness of the different units. I like the way that they interact with one another. It's fun. It skews mm-hmm. much more action than RPG, but there's still a lot of customization. Right. And it's, it is actually a lot of fun to just play individual encounters, to, to fight the mobs and that kind of thing. So. Right. Yeah. So yeah, Anthem, the VIP demo is out right now. You can go check it out. I'm going to have additional thoughts on the end game uh, later this week. I'm, and we'll do a review of it, even though it's kind of in that Destiny space of, eh, more action <laughs> game than RPG, if anything. But it is from a legacy RPG developer, and I think there's a lot That's of true. interest there. So Yeah, I think there's a lot to talk about. For sure. Uh, in other news, in other RPG news and things that are happening on the site, um, Ubisoft has officially decided to change the controversial DLC ending of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Nadia? Uh, I am glad that they went back on that. Um, as far as I know, though, you still kind of get roped into having a kid, don't you? Yeah, I- I'm not sure about that, actually. They said that they will change it. I think that it... We talked about this last week, but I think it was a huge mistake to make any Mm -hmm. romance mandatory. Even if you turn down the romantic options, it still makes you be in a romance. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Uh, Spoiler alerts for Harry Potter really quickly. If you want to like, if you haven't read Harry Potter and you want to skip the spoiler (laughs) alerts, jump, jump forward a couple minutes. It reminds me of the final chapter of Harry Potter where all of the characters are suddenly in sweet little relationships and they all have kids and you're kind of like, really? Really? I hated Come that on, ending guys. so much. That ending was so bad. Uh, <sighs> I remember reading that and being like, I'm going to slam my head against a wall right now. It's 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 kind of like block. Not, they all got married. They all yeah. got married and they all had kids and you kind of go, oh, okay, whatever. Okay, whatever. Uh, maybe Neville didn't. No, I know he definitely got married. I don't think he had kids. He just became a professor or whatever. Uh, see, now I wanted, I would have wanted Neville just be his own badass self and just like go like exploring across the country, wrangling dragons or whatever he wanted to do. Being like Ryu, walking barefoot. Yeah, looking for the next challenge. Down the road oh, with the sword of Gryffindor on his like shoulder. I have, okay, this is a new fanfic. <laughs> I'm in. This is the real ending. This is my headcanon. It's a, it's a good headcanon because when I when I read that, and especially him naming his kid after Snape, ugh, ah, uh, Albus Harry. Severus. <laughs> I imagine, imagine going through not, through life with a name like Albus Severus. Uh, <laughs> Your name's Albus Severus. On the site, you wrote about how nobody likes Bowser Junior. No, <laughs> yes, that was my my very catchy headline about how nobody likes Bowser Junior. Because the reason I wrote this is because I am playing. Uh, Bowser's Inside Story plus uh, Bowser Jr.'s Journey, which is a, a crazy mouthful of a name, but it's it's a lot like uh, a couple of years ago we had the remake of Superstar Saga plus Bowser's Minions had their own little side story, and that was a lot of fun. And this is kind of in the same vein, very much the same kind of battle system where you, you set up your units and let them all kind of go to war with each other. 
but what you have for the story is, uh, of course, since Bowser's kind of off doing his own thing for Bowser's Inside Story, Bowser Jr.'s been left to his own devices, and what that means is people have to kind of take care of him, and that includes the Koopalings, who, uh, I, when I saw this game, I said, okay, I want to play this because I want to find out the dynamic between the Koopalings and Bowser Jr. I bet it's great. And it is, because the Koopalings just do not like this kid for obvious reasons. In a way, I think they kind of reflect the fans who, a lot of fans feel like the Koopalings were the original kids, and they literally got usurped by Bowser Jr. So you have this game where Bowser Jr. is being a, is an insufferable little so-and-so, and you have the Koopalings who are kind of having to try to be diplomatic with him and, and largely failing. And it's just a, it's just a really fun little interlude, and, I, and I'm really enjoying it. And of course, Bowser's Inside Story is far and away the best of the Mario and Luigi games, so it's not exactly uh, like I was just purchasing it for that little sub-game. An insufferable little so-and-so. He is. He totally is. But he's, he's, he's written to be that way, and the game knows it. The game knows what he is, and they, they just kind of write to that strength, for lack of a better term. And it, it, it turns out really funny because of it. Another article that, uh, another big feature that you should go check out on the site that's on the site right now, Mike Williams went back into the Fallout 76 community and met people who are, you know, still totally into it. Uh, so he asked, what keeps super Fallout 76's super fans coming back after all that negativity? Uh, can I give you a spoiler alert for at least one of the answers? Sure. <laughs> can you, can you guess? Can you, can you take one guess as to what it is? Uh, trolling people. No, actually, the community of Fallout 76 is extremely po- positive. Oh, that's nice. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, but man. Uh, no, what keeps them coming back, the people who do opt to keep coming back to Fallout 76, is aside from the very positive community, it's just the fact that you can play along with your friends or okay, your family. That, that makes sense. Somebody and, said that um, they can play with their husband, which is not something you can do in any other Fallout game, and to that, to them, it's like, oh, it's a winner. I appreciate that. I, I respect that. Yeah, no, I can respect that as well. Uh, I'm, I wouldn't want to necessarily hang out and play Fallout 76 myself with a significant other because I think actually it's a fairly boring game. But mm. people are talking about kind of emergent moments like, uh, you know, you have a camp, right? You, you can build yeah. up your own little kind of fortress and people would just come in and hang out and give them gifts and... Uh, there's this nice little community and because it's not mainstream it's uh-huh. a lot more supportive and nice that is nice I, i'm i guess like all the the trolls and stuff checked out when they just kind of weren't being entertained and yeah the dedicated ones are left behind i wouldn't mind doing a a, a list of the most positive communities in gaming That'd be nice. That'd be a nice positive change, wouldn't it? Yeah, because I think we spend so much time focusing on the communities that are just toxic garbo communities. Uh, once upon a time, the Overwatch community was really good, and it, it is was. I remember that. Just devolved into the worst friggin' community I have ever seen. You know That's what? Really a shame. You know what community actually isn't terrible. I know Monster Hunter is very good. Monster Hunter is not bad. Pokemon isn't bad. Yeah, honestly, um, I was working on an article that uh, unfortunately didn't work out, uh, but I was talking to, uh, gosh, any time I've reached out to a Pokemon, a major person in the Pokemon community, or even just like, you know, fans, 
I've always had an overwhelmingly positive, friendly response. And I've always appreciated that. I've never been, even on the, on the Reddit, which of course is like, people would call it God's asshole of the internet. Uh, the Silk Road people are very nice. Uh, the Pokemon Go community people are very nice. Yeah, they're all just very good, positive people. Yeah, I think that if you go to a a hardcore RPG community, often there is a great sense of cooperation in that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go to some other communities that are especially a lot more competitive, and Pokemon has a large competitive aspect to it. It does, uh, of course. I think people spend so much time, people are so locked in on helping one another find the right strategies and everything that there's less time for trolling and that sort of thing. It's, yeah, a, lot, it's a lot less g- get good and more how to get good. Yeah, it really is, uh, especially with a community as old as Pokemon. I think people really like to show off their strategies. Oh, for sure. And it's funny because you say get good, but I find that Dark Souls community is actually the same way where they want to share strategies with each other. Oh, especially if you're a Sunbro. And oh, yeah. you're yeah. you're just wanting to help people out. I, I think I think Dark Souls is more segmented depending on how you want to play the game. That's true. Uh, but even like, there are there are rules. I think for there's etiquette for doing PvP, which I think is kind of neat. Uh huh. <laughs> you do the bowing <laughs> and everything. I think yes. that's neat. And that then, neat. but then on the flip side, uh, apparently anthems. Apparently, Anthem's community is really good right now, but that's mostly because they're super hyped for it. They're, yeah, yeah. People are like, oh, nobody cares about Anthem. But there, it's a, uh, right now, a hardcore segment that is extremely excited for Anthem. I was talking to uh, their community manager when I was at that Anthem event, and he was like, oh, yeah, uh, it's really easy right now because everybody is just super nice and super excited to play for Anthem. So. And is he just like, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop? Oh, maybe. And it helps that the developers have been very, very open uh, right. in communicating with the actual uh, audience for Anthem. So I, I think if your communi- communicative developers uh, can be a really good start because mm-hmm. people only get really nasty and surly when they're not being communicated to. But I, I mentioned yes. the flip side. The flip side is that FIFA's community is just a toxic garbage heap now. <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> oh, it I is the imagine. worst. I, I can't get anything out of going to that subreddit. Because first of all, they delete all all articles that you submit from the media or any commentary uh, from the media. And uh, second of all, <laughs> they all they all every thread is just them screaming about how much they hate EA and how broken <laughs> uh, and what broken trash fifa is now and how they hate everybody yeah it's really sad i wonder how the nhl community is it's got to be oh they're just the same way are they with a tiny little sliver of angry canadians maybe a few angry russians every sports community is just a raging tire fire of angry (laughs) pissed off fans at all at all times mlb madden fifa NBA 2K, NBA Live, they all are convinced that they are being hard done by. And that's because, and that, and it's not helped by the fact that there are different types of FIFA players. So the competitive FIFA players are mad, but they're all mad. <laughs> the competitive FIFA players are mad. The solo FIFA players are mad. The casual FIFA players are bad. They're just like a, a box of cats screaming at each other. They really are. It's just a total waste of time to go to that subreddit. You say that uh, FIFA's, or you say that Reddit is God's, um, insert curse word here. Uh, <laughs> Too late. 
Uh, but it's really the different communities. Some Reddit communities yes. are amazing, and some just do not go anywhere near those communities. Yeah, yeah, because as you say, they are raging tire fires. Yes, so go check out all of those over on the site. And oh, by the way, big news, Nadia. We sent uh-huh. our first Axe of the Blood God newsletter, and yeah. it was screwed up a little bit because... Yeah. <laughs> Because there was a glitch that where the articles that we included in the newsletter, the links were broken. But okay, so we fixed it. It's all fixed now. The next one should be fine. I apologize for that. Uh, That's what happens when you put together a new newsletter for the first time. But it's it's all fixed. It's all good to go. so this is this is the deal with the Axe of Blood God newsletter. Okay, so every week, if you subscribe, you will get a uh you'll get a special op-ed that is sent by one of us that you won't be able to find on the site so you will get a special brand new hot take straight from the blood god or opinion or look back on some game uh in your mailbox every wednesday along with the newest uh, rpg features and headlines from usg and uh, we'll look to see how we can continue to make the newsletter more interesting, like something that's really special. And actually, I'd be interested in your suggestions uh, in ways that we can make the Blood God newsletter something that is legitimately exciting to have come to you every Wednesday. But We are listening. Uh, if you want to subscribe, I'm going to put a link in the show notes over on the website. Just go over to the podcast page and you should be able to uh, follow the link to subscribe um, and add everything on. Barring that, if you can't find that for some reason, uh, go to the main homepage, and there should be a sign-up subscription on the homepage, like the front page. So, yeah, uh, make sure and do that. We also have a U.S. Gamer newsletter that goes out every Friday, and that is more of a roundup of all of our best stuff in general, uh, throughout the week and it gives you an idea this this is much more of a like well what's going on with the week whereas acts yeah. of blood god is about connecting you with the podcast and connecting you with me and nadia but indeed we want to connect with you as always of course you can find us in all of the different podcast outlets spotify itunes stitcher etc thank you for all the people who've been sending really nice comments and letters to us on various social media outlets um, we love hearing from you. You guys have been super duper nice lately. We're really glad that you're enjoying the show. Uh, the show has been growing lately, which has yes. been really exciting. Praise to the blood god. Uh, Praise. So if you're enjoying it, uh, do me a favor. Leave a positive review over on iTunes. Uh, we really enjoy hearing from you on that front as well. Stitcher, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, tell your friends. Evangelize to the blood god. But... All right, Nadia, let's go and get Katie on here, and we're going to talk about Kingdom Hearts 3 in the review. And don't worry, there won't be any spoilers. So let's go. All right, we're once again joined by our features editor, Katie McCarthy. Last week, we recapped kingdom hearts and we talked a lot about the the history of it and how it impacted animation and all that kind of thing but now we can actually talk about kingdom hearts 3 the game that has been well uh, 12 years in the making at this point uh, it's been kind of a kind of ridiculous how long we've been waiting for the final chapter the the pickup from birth by sleep and 
Katie, you gave it 4.5 out of 5. Uh, high praise from you, even though you called it a relic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're kind of... I, I did like your review very much because it was like... It was honest. I mean, the game knows what it is or seems to know what it is, and so do you. And, you know, you're all kind of happy in that realization together. Yeah, it's just basically... I don't know. It's like if a PS2 game was made today. That's kind mm-hmm. of like what I came away from it feeling. Like, it has the obvious like markers of a modern game where it's like wow the there's like a lot more enemies now than there used to be and like oh the there's no loading screens between areas and worlds are like a lot bigger so it like feels like grander in that way but then you see it in like treasure chests being very very small and you can't see them and that's kind of annoying and there's like these little hiccups but overall like i had like a really fun time with it like it's a pretty like fun game i am kind of okay with it being basically a ps2 game because in some ways it's a if it isn't broke don't fix it kind of situation uh, mm-hmm. see final fantasy to a great degree so i'm sort of okay with kingdom uh, with square Enix going this is what you want we're giving you exactly <laughs> what you want right here Have your kingdom hearts PS3. 3 <laughs> yeah i mean the, because kingdom hearts 1 and 2 still hold up right Eh, I wouldn't say they hold up per se, but I, I think the first one holds up better than two. Two is like pretty rough. Like I'm, I've said it on this podcast. I've said it elsewhere. Like I really don't like Kingdom Hearts two. I don't think it's a good game. So like going into three, I was like cautiously optimistic because I was like, man, I really didn't like two, but I like Birth by Sleep and I like the first game a lot. And like some of the, most of the spinoffs aren't that good. Besides that, but. I was like, you know, there is a real possibility that I wouldn't like Kingdom Hearts 3. And the first world is honestly not good. Like, going into it for, like, the first, like, I want to say, like, two hours, I was like, oh, no. It's Olympus again, isn't it? Yeah, I was like, this is going to be a Kingdom Hearts 2 situation, but it gets a lot better, luckily, after that. What does it do right that Kingdom Hearts 2 does not do right? Uh, I think the big thing is, like, the combat is better. Like, that's, like... Like, honestly, like, playing it, I was kind of, like, more on the 4 out of 4 out of 5 range. But I was, like, reflecting while writing my review. I was like, well, like, I had, like, such a good time with the combat. And it's, like, a lot more varied. And, like, every time I'd get a new Keyblade, I'd be like, oh, I wonder what, like, this ability does. Because each Keyblade in this one gives you, like, this new, like, thing called a form change. Where, like, once you deal enough damage with your Keyblade, you can, like, you have a limited amount of time to, like, enact this, like, magical thing, which, like, transforms Sora in a different outfit, but also cool. has keyblade changes, so, like, it could be, like, two guns, or it could be, like, a weird spear thing, or it's, there's, like, a lot of variety in between the keyblades, and you could power them up so they're all pretty viable, like, there's not, mm-hmm. like, ones that are weaker, per se, it's, like, they all can get strong if you just want to use that keyblade. So, it feels more struck or feels more strategic in that way too because in past kingdom hearts games it's pretty much like you have like the strong keyblades which are the ones you get in the later game and then you like ignore the ones you had earlier on whereas this one you can kind of like power up everything and make it everything like strong or whatever and you can have like more than one keyblade equipped so you can like switch between them in combat which i found really useful um but yeah i don't know i i'm i really like the combat which is saying a lot because Kingdom Hearts 2's combat is basically Dynasty Warriors, but bad. And Kingdom Hearts <laughs> 1 is, like, very, like, floaty, you know? It's just, you just jump around, and you float around a lot, and it's not, it doesn't feel great. But there's some great bosses in Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 also has some good bosses, so... 
you kind of have to just suck it up and deal with it for the cool boss fights. But the thing about Kingdom Hearts 3 is, like, it's actually, like, really fun to play and mess around with. And I was actually using magic a lot, which I feel like is really rare for me uh, in Kingdom Hearts games. Like, Oh, man, you actually want to use magic? Yeah, yeah. Like, I had, like, three, like, you had the shortcut menus, and usually I would put, like, items in there and stuff. But for this game, I was, like, putting all magic spells. So I was, like, using the thunder one. And magic works differently now, so, like, no matter what, like, magic still powers up, so you have, like, thunder, and then it goes, like, thundara or whatever, and then thundaga, you know, like, the weird, like... Final Fantasy terminology, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, But for King Hearts 3, you, if you use your magic enough, if you're dealing, like, enough magic damage, you unlock, like, the special, like, it just automatically goes up to the next version. So, like, I think the top one is still, like, the third tier, which is, like, Thundaga, but you can, like, unlock Thundaza or whatever. And oh, that, like, as, what like, a timed attack. One? That's Thundarja or something. Isn't there a J in there? Maybe. That's, yeah, a, that's what I remember from Final Fantasy games. I'm sorry. I'm a nerd. But yeah. I do want to go It's not nerdy. Off. You gotta get it right. The blood god demands it. <laughs> that's true. I do want to describe every game from now on as Dynasty Warriors, but bad. <laughs> I mean, I just described Anthem as Dynasty Warriors, but good, maybe. I just love it. This is a new benchmark we've achieved here. Dynasty Warriors. Okay, go. <laughs> is it but good or but bad? Now, I mean, Dynasty Warriors can be good. It I can be. It absolutely can. You know, Disagree. Dynasty Warriors is never good. I, really? Fight me. Really? I, I, I love the... Hyrule Warriors. Hyrule Warriors was good. Fun. Yeah. No, it's not, actually. No, it's fun. Like, no, it's so yeah. stupid. It's, it's fun, such a brain-dead series. I know. It's like it's totally you just brain turn dead. on a podcast or some like an album you like and you just chill out. And hit X a lot. I don't know. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. I'm not going to. Di- to I'm not going to tell people how to enjoy their time. And I've played some <laughs> Dynasty Warriors Gundam in my time. I, I Dragon Quest Fighters was it? Dragon Quest Warriors. Heroes. Dragon Quest Heroes. Heroes. Whatever. Uh, I mean, they have a lot of fan service, but that doesn't make them good. <laughs> There's yeah, a Gundam I mean, I guess Dynasty it's like Earth Defense Force, right? Like there are people that really like earth defense force for some reason i i think dynasty warriors is the gaming equivalent of so good it's bad or so bad it's good maybe i mean i wouldn't like i just say it's kind of like in a league of its own it just does like it's not trying to be anything (laughs) crazy right it's the benchmark for games now everything is dynasty warriors but good or bad it's there should be a Kingdom like Hearts a Dynasty Warriors, game, and that'll yeah. totally destroy our new oh, benchmark. There should be. There should be a Final Fantasy. There really should Warriors. be. I'd play and that. Then they as a character. I mean, I'm surprised there hasn't been already. Yeah. So am I. There's Dragon Quest, but uh, not Final Fantasy. Maybe this year. It sure feels <laughs> like, uh, so you know, Square Enix is very protective of the Final Fantasy brand, mm-hmm. <laughs> or something. Uh, speaking of Final Fantasy, there aren't any Final Fantasy characters in this no. one. No, that makes me sad. That's it a bummer. Is weird because. Yeah, it's just very strange. I was expecting to see someone along the line because they have been present in every Kingdom Hearts game, like, pretty much. I don't... I never play Coded, so I don't know if there's actually one Coded. But there's, like, even in Dream Drop Distance, like, one of the worst games in the series, there's the World Ends With You characters in it, which is Aww, not Final Fantasy, ones. but Square Enix adjacent, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and also, I guess, Nomura, so I guess it makes sense. But... Yeah, I don't get I'm why they're just that not here. There's not I'm, in the game at all. I'm that. very surprised there's no Sephiroth because Square Enix never misses a chance to right. peddle Sephiroth. We actually went to, at Otakon, we went to a uh, 
a concert, like, just strings only for Final Fantasy Distant Worlds. And we're like, oh, thank God, they can't do the freaking One-Winged Angel Encore. Oh, and guess what it. they freaking did <laughs> with the freaking strings? And my friend and I were just like, ah! And everyone was telling us to shut up. It was great. <laughs> it's too bad that One-Winged Angel is overplayed because it, it really actually is. is a very oh, catchy it's a song. Sick, it's such a sick boss theme. Honestly, it's overplayed, but it's still good. Like, Nomura did yeah. come out and direct it. Which, not Nomura, what the hell am I saying? Uh, Uomatsu did come out and direct it, though, which oh, was pretty really? cool. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I think Uomatsu did, like, a thing in san jose here for like uh fanime i think it's the convention uh but i couldn't go for some reason it it was was actually distant worlds is great i i wholly recommend it uh but yeah on final fantasy pretty much like the only final fantasy cults like obviously you have your moogle shopkeeper and then in the toy story world there's a toy display for dissidia nt which is the okay. fighting game that came out last year. Yeah, I and saw that. And summons, and that's it. I took a picture of Woody in my review. So if you go yeah, on the Kingdom Hearts 3 review, you can see that storefront. And then there's a cactar you see at one point. And that's pretty much it. But it's not its not like an enemy cactar. It's just like there's like a cactar reference. And they're like, oh, that looks familiar. And it's like, I get what you're doing. It gets a thousand needles to the face. <laughs> ah, I'm blind. I can't see well, we've known this about about this for a while, uh, which is why I asked uh, Tetsuya Nomura about it at E3 last year. And he said, the reason you haven't been shown any Final Fantasy characters is that there, there are so many original characters that need to resolve their own problems and issues. And because their issues and problems are very difficult, there just hasn't been that much space to fit Final Fantasy characters in so far. That's and then fair. he later said, when you look back on the first Kingdom Hearts, Sora was still a new character, so we both kind of had the Final Fantasy characters as supporting characters, but now that it's been 15 years, the original characters are more polished than they were before, so I don't think they need the Final Fantasy characters to help as much as they did before. Also, when we first released Kingdom Hearts, there weren't that many other ki- titles that brought together the, the Final Fantasy characters. I actually think the Kingdom Hearts may have been the first to do that, mm. but nowadays... There's been, there are an abundance of titles that do that. So I don't see the value of having that kind of feature in the game anymore. That doesn't mean that I'm saying that there won't be any Final Fantasy characters. Please look forward to future information. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, sure seems like there, there it's like, no. no, there actually were no Final Fantasy characters. And the, the weird thing is that there are cutscenes in Radiant Garden, which is where all the Final Fantasy characters live in Kingdom Hearts. Like That's where they're from, and that became Hall Bastion, and that became radiant garden again it's like i don't want to get into it it's like too long but (laughs) (laughs) that's where they live and there's cutscenes there of like because that's where some people are hanging out for like story reasons but they never show like like cloud or squall like no one just like waltzes into cutscenes like hey what's up guys like hey just getting a beer (laughs) don't mind me keep on going (laughs) i see him opening the fridge in the background i i think one of the things that i really like about kingdom hearts 3 is i think the like, these PS2 era, like, character design looks really good in HD. Like, it looks crazy. Like, mm-hmm. I really like how, like, Sora's spiky hair just, like, kind of flops, but it's still spiky. And, like, there's just weird, cool. like, style things that I think translate really well to PS4. So I was hoping to see some Final Fantasy characters to see, like, I was hoping, like, Lightning would make a new appearance or something. Like, I was just hoping to see some mm-hmm. cool characters. Or even, like, Noctis I thought would be cool, but... Yeah, I wouldn't mind saying There's Noctis. nothing. Ain't That's nothing. too bad. You, you know that it's 2019 because Sora's able to take selfies now. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was like the, that was such a funny surprise because I had no idea that was a thing. And then you get the phone like in the second world, I think. And I was like, oh my God. Because you, you can like take out the camera. It's like, oh, you can take pictures of Mickey emblems everywhere. 
And then I saw in the corner, there's like a, a flip function. And I was like, oh my God, you can take selfies. <laughs> and Katie's life and began it, that day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, that was like, most of my screenshots are just stupid selfies. It's great. <laughs> that's, I that, think that's, that's what great. Square Enix wanted the marketing code to be. Was, yeah, uh, we like taking selfies. <laughs> You'll probably see that in like a weird trailer or something. <laughs> selfies are, are good. I can take selfie. I love taking <laughs> selfies. <laughs> I love that they wanted that quote of all the quotes. Yeah, I mean, there's like they they asked for like a few, like standard ones like positive things from the review, but that was like one that was funny to me. I was like, oh, I, that, that's that's that. sure. I hope they use that one. Uh, when it comes to the actual Disney characters, uh, what what ended up being your favorite world without spoiling anything? Uh, that's like a, I feel like Big Hero 6, but maybe I'm biased because it's basically like San Francisco, you know? Yeah, oh, Kingdom bit. Hearts in San Francisco. There you go. Yeah, it's like San Francisco, and it's just like this little, it's not like, you don't get like the whole city. It's not like a huge open world type thing, but it, it's just like really cool to run around this like familiar like landscape in kingdom hearts and you can go there at night or during the day so which i like that option because you can i don't know the city looks different and i like and i like the tokyo e embellishments because sanford and tokyo technically uh i don't know it's just and you can run up skyscrapers that's one of the big new things in kingdom hearts 3 is you can run up like walls for some reason they, they don't really explain it you just you know, <laughs> run up walls and that's, like, the perfect city to do that in, because you can do, like, this flow motion combat, so you can, like, run up a wall, and then you, like, start zigzagging around, and it's, like, really fun to just, like, leap to other enemies and everything. And I, I don't know, I, like, Big Hero 6, like, I thought the movie's really good, and I think that world's, like, really well realized, and it's just, I don't know, I feel like when I'm going back to, like, just grind out stuff, I am keep going back to that world mostly. Mm-hmm. Is there grinding in this one? I mean, every game. I mean, there's no grinding in the main mission, but it's more for, like, the extra stuff. Like, there's a secret boss I know of, so I'm just kind of, like, leveling up, and I'm trying to get the ultimate Keyblade, so I'm just kind of, like, mining out stuff. But it's not, like... I cruised through the main campaign and died once, and that took me, like, 25, 30 hours. I think closer to 30, but I also messed around a lot because I'm just, you know, I like to hang out in worlds rather than... (laughs) just moving onward i think it's interesting that you said that there are fewer worlds in this one i think you said it was nine worlds uh versus something like 13 for kingdom hearts but it's actually a longer game mm-hmm. yeah the worlds are around like three three two to three hours each for like the main story like you land on a world and you usually go through like a pretty linear story for it uh but then you can always go back or just like hang out longer than that too and, and you're encouraged to go back because the worlds sometimes change, like depending on like wh- where the story goes and everything. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I the worlds are a lot bigger now, which yeah, obviously I was about, helps to, I was about to say that's what it uh, sounds like from your review. Like for example, uh, well, I don't know if it'd be a spoiler to say it, so I won't say it. But yeah, there's one uh, world in particular that sounded pretty huge and watery. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they've revealed everything in the marketing, honestly. And they said, like, you can reveal everything, just not story spoilers. But yeah, the, oh, okay. parts of the, the parts of the Caribbean world is definitely... It's one of the later ones. I think it's, like, one of the last one, one of the last two. But that one was really shocking because it's so big. You basically get, like, this little ocean to sail around and you get your own ship. 
and you can just explore islands and hop out and you can explore under and uh, like underwater and on islands Mm -hmm. and there's always like treasure chests and like secrets and stuff and i wonder if i'm gonna like stumble upon like a boss at some point like it's i'm still exploring it but there's just so much in that world alone and uh i I mean not every world is on that scope i would say that's definitely probably the biggest one but as someone that doesn't care about parts of the caribbean i found that to be like really cool yeah, I still yeah. think it's so weird that Pirates of the Caribbean came back for Kingdom Hearts 3. I think that's the most questionable choice. Because yeah. as far as I can tell, it was literally only because Tetsuya Nomura wanted to show off the engine. Oh, for mm. sure. That is probably 100% it. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think. Like, I wish Halloween Town was back. I've always found that world to be one of my favorites among the series. And I think that would have looked really cool. Like, if they made it like look stop motiony that would have been sick but oh that, that would have been, been cool. really awesome yeah i think that would that would look really good in this engine um, and it would have become much more of a tribute to animation then as opposed to being a game which is much more about showing off technology which kingdom hearts technology isn't that great so uh, so i would prefer I, I think kingdom hearts is at its best when it's giving a nod and recapturing the magic of these classic animated films from Disney. Yeah, I agree with that. I, this one definitely skews like to the 2000s era of Disney. Like, I think the only pre-2000s thing represented is Hercules. I mean, that's, that's fine like- because the previous two Disney or the previous Kingdom Hearts games definitely uh, canvassed Kingdom or canvassed Disney pretty thoroughly. I would say. Uh, going all the way back to Steamboat Willie. Yeah, so that's I a think, really good world, too, the classic yeah. Mickey world. So I think that if it had decided to, I don't know, bring back The Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast, it would have just been rehashing a lot of things. Yeah, I, I'm glad there's not a lot of repeat worlds, but I still think there's definitely... Like movies and stuff, they haven't really explored. Like, I'm glad but they hadn't, done, they hadn't done the 2000s era. I mean... It was ripe for exploration. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, so. I don't know. I kind of wish it was like Sword of the Stone or Rescue. Oh, Wars that would have been fun. But I think Disney kind of sees it a little. I think Disney kind of sees that era a little bit as its dark age. I oh, mean, yeah, for sure. Hey, let's have I a mean, Black Cauldron world. Or yeah, like Black <laughs> Cauldron. Uh, I even like Princess and the Frog, which is recent, relatively recent. That would. Yeah, nobody talks about that one, though they should. That's too bad. Yeah, it's really too bad. Getting like a little New Orleans and you're like maybe a frog or something. That would be cool. But getting back to Lion King, you're a lion. Like, why not be a frog? Getting back to Pirates of the Caribbean, I. It's funny because when Kingdom Hearts 2 came out, Pirates of the Caribbean was still kind of red hot, actually. And Jack Sparrow was wasn't completely played out. In fact, I'm pretty sure Pirates of the Caribbean 2 hadn't even come out by the time that kingdom hearts 2 came out so so. yeah so but now flash forward to 2019 and johnny depp is isn't even going to be in kingdom hearts anymore and he was in the last one and at world's end was 10 years ago so it's just that is the weirdest choice to me yeah, it's like, it definitely feels strange. Well, they're like making a new Pirates of the Caribbean, apparently. There's a new one recently. Just stop. Just stop making Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. Yeah, I don't know. There is a new one like a couple of years ago or something. But I didn't see it. Because <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I don't care about Pirates of the Caribbean at all. 
But it's definitely no. a straight. That is definitely one of the stranger ones, and it's weird that it's one of the best worlds in the game too. <laughs> that's yeah, so that's funny. Uh, it's been funny to watch Jake, who's our guide uh, writer, playing this game and <laughs> kind of what a roller coaster it's been for him. Yes. Yeah, he hated it. Now he likes it. I don't. I I get it though. I feel like it, it's definitely one of the those sorts of games where if you didn't grow up playing these games or you aren't into this sort of chaotic action RPG thing, then you're not going to buy into it. And you have to like buy into a certain level of anime bullshit, you know? Yeah, Because definitely. there's a lot of dumb stuff and a lot of like <laughs> super earnestness about like humanity and friendship and exploring what those things are. Sora just wants to protect his friends. Yeah, I mean, he, he just for wants his to friends. save everyone, you know? Like, he's just like a nice boy. <laughs> I read a review that was like complaining about how cheerful Sora is, and I'm like, that's like his care. That's like the reason. Like everyone else is like a realist around him, and he's just like this beam of sunshine, and he like inspires people to be like sunshine's out of his ass, basically. Yeah, basically, he inspires people to be better people and happier and nice. You know, it's kind of <laughs> like. But at this point, if you're complaining about Sora, like being too cheerful you're kind of complaining about like you know the sun in africa because it's just <laughs> been part of the series for so long by this point it's not a new trait yeah oh i love sora he's he's a good kid you know fun he's bright and funny i also think the humor in this game is really good that was something i didn't expect like there's a great part in the frozen world where you're just hanging out outside of elsa's palace while she just sings the entirety of let it go <laughs> and it's just funny to imagine <laughs> Muffled, let movie, it go in the distance. Like, what if like Donald and Goofy and this weird Final Fantasy kid were just hanging out outside, like listening, <laughs> That's dropping on the song? <laughs> that's pretty awesome, though, that they managed to work in some of the songs. Yeah, that's the only time I remember in Kingdom Hearts history of them actually incorporating like the songs themselves, not just like melodies from the soundtrack or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of cool because Frozen, the Frozen World is the only one that does that. There's like a couple of songs in there. And I'm I just picturing like nice, them, like, a nice knocking twist. on the door. Hello? Frozen has some fun. of the best songs, too. Yeah, it definitely has, like, the most memorable soundtrack of recent Disney movies. So it totally makes sense that they would just be like, yeah, let's just put Let It Go in here. Why not? Everyone loves it. And it's literally the whole song. Except parents. Parents hate 500 it. 500 times. I would, be, I would be interested to know if the Frozen people actually insisted that they put the music in. Because mm. it sounded mm. like Nomura, in some ways, was beholden, extremely beholden to the what the desires of the individual uh, rights holders. And he was talking about how some were way more strict than others, uh, particularly the Monsters, Inc. people. So <laughs> uh, they went a long way toward defining the look and the feel of the games, because you know how protective everybody is of their brands. Um. So I think that I wouldn't be surprised if the Frozen people said, well, these songs are a defining aspect of our movie and we want people to remember that. So at some point you have to incorporate a song from there. Sing, sing, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a little bit entangled, but it's not like a song. It's more like, yeah, the melody. It's just really interesting. It's, there's, it's weird. I feel as the Disney worlds are like, but like I like the detail of them more. They're bigger. They're like the combat's better or whatever. I do feel like they're more divorced from the Kingdom Hearts part than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. Because in Kingdom Hearts one, you're like saving worlds by like sealing their keyhole or whatever with the Keyblade. 
in Kingdom Hearts 2, you're, like, saving people or whatever. And then Birth by Sleep, you're, like, going across, like, sleeping worlds and same deal with Dream Drop Distance, I believe. But in this one, there's really not a... You're just, like, adventuring in pursuit of stuff, which I won't spoil. But there's not, like, a point, really, to be going from world to world. It's more like you're just adventuring for the sake of it. And that's kind of, like, a strange thing. And there's, like, you meet, like, organization members. Like, each world has, like, one organization member that pops up and just, like, kind of, like, mocks you. And you have, like, dialogue and story progresses and everything. (laughs) And dialogue. But it doesn't feel as tethered to kingdom hearts as like the guardians of life versus like all the real organization 13 or whatever it doesn't feel as connected to that plot as it used to which is kind of a bummer i wish they like tied those things together a little better but that's still fun to explore around it's like whatever i mean i guess you don't really need a reason to go disney world's like doesn't no you really really don't matter uh yeah so here's a question that i have for you katie and i think that as someone who's played seemingly all of the Kingdom Hearts games and has a pretty good grasp of everything. Let's pretend that I don't like Kingdom Hearts that much. Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, I have dabbled in the series. Uh, or I'm a total newcomer. Should I pick up this one or should I go and play some of the earlier ones first? That's like a hard question. Because you can't... I feel like going back to the old ones would almost be harder if you play Kingdom Hearts 3 first, because the combat's so much worse than the other games. So I think that's, like, a strong element of it, because it might just be tedious to play, you know? And I, I don't know, I was kind of thinking while playing Kingdom Hearts 3 that it's kind of like Avengers Infinity War. Like, if you just went to go see Avengers Infinity War without having seen all of these, like, dumb Marvel movies, <laughs> you probably, like, wouldn't comprehend. You'd be like, who the heck's this red dude and this other girl who have been in, like, one movie or whatever? I still ask that, even though I had seen right? the movie. <laughs> same uh that movie has pacing issues i think it's satisfying in some levels but also some huge pacing issues and i think kingdom hearts 3 kind of has that same issue where it's like i think they do a pretty good job with exposition like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of characters that don't know everything like the player does and there's some like in-game jokes about it like there's one part where all these characters meet and then jimmy cricket like hops out and is like you can read more in your gummy phone about who everyone is if you want. And it, I thought that was like a funny, like in game <laughs> joke of like them acknowledging how stupid and complex and how everyone's like tied together. It was really funny. I just like that. There's all these profiles in the gummy phone. Yeah. Who put you can them just there. Go through and be like, Oh, okay. Now I know who this person is. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if I would, I think it's a, if you just play Kingdom Hearts 3, like, they're gonna put in a movie or something that jogs everyone up to speed, apparently, on launch day. So I'm curious to see, like, what that is. I'll probably just pop in and watch it just to see how well it does. But there's also, like, a lot of exposition in the game that teaches you about, like, everything that's going on. Even though you, sometimes you still hop from character to character and you're like, I don't know what this cuts, who's in this cutscene, like, what's going on? <laughs> like, what the heck? So it's, it's definitely, like, a weird one where... It's hard to recommend the newcomers, but I also think going through the whole series is a big ask, and no mm-hmm. one's going to do that. Like, if anything, I think, like, 1, 2, and Birth by Sleep are the most essential ones. Even 1 can be skippable, which is... But 1's still the best one, so I don't know. You think so? Yeah, I mean, King, King of Hearts 1 has the best boss battles and the best, like, worlds in general. Like, when I think... Like, I feel like King of Hearts has so much memorable stuff and the story is actually comprehensible because it's before they introduce all the organization stuff. And it's, True. like, very simple, streamlined. 
nice little 20 hour RPG adventure thing with some like good emotional moments. Uh, and two complicates that. And I, I think three is really good and it's really good at giving big payoffs for the players who have played every game in the series or at least are like know the plot of every character and everything in the series. And there's payoffs for literally every little narrative thread you can think of, which I think is pretty satisfying. Like, I, like the whole... I remember, I think I had posted it in our work Slack, like, at midnight or something on, like, Saturday, saying, I think I'm closing in on the end. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember that. And then that. it was, like, five more hours. <laughs> and, but yeah. it was a really good, like, five-hour That's every hours. game, though. Yeah, it, it's definitely a jam. Red Dead Redemption right? 2 has two epilogues, right? Yeah, God, the epilogue <laughs> Red Dead's too long. Uh... But this, yeah, this is definitely, like, a Red Dead epilogue situation. But it's not an epilogue. It's, like, the actual ending. But you go in, you think this is it, and that just, like, goes on. But, like, it's really crazy, and it's, uh, I think it's, like, a pretty strong, like, final few hours or whatever. Does it uh, Uh, feel like the trilogy wrapped up? Yeah, I'm curious to see what this epilogue is. Because they're releasing the epilogue in a secret movie uh, for people that collect enough, or take pictures of enough mickey emblems and i unlocked mine pretty quickly because i got a weird notification on my screen like you unlock this and i was like i'm assuming this is the secret movie because i have no idea where this is uh, <laughs> the hidden so mickeys that i think that's coming i know the epilogue is coming on wednesday like next wednesday the 30th but i don't know what day the secret movie is i don't know if it's the same day or it might be later so I'm curious if that's gonna be like setting up something else because there it doesn't or it does le- it closes the Zehanor Zehanor mm-hmm. saga, which is like the main villain of this whole series so far. But there's room for more. I mean, they have to. This this is gonna make so much money. More Kingdom Hearts. So more. <laughs> I wonder if that'll be DLC. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering because from what I've seen, it doesn't. S- I've been doing a lot of endgame stuff since I finished my review. Like, I'm, I've poured, like, another probably 10 hours into it since I saw credits. And from what I see, I think there, like, there's some grind. There, like, I'm just kind of, like, playing because I want to get the ultimate keyblade because I do that in every Kingdom Hearts game just for, I don't know, just because I like to do that, which is the strongest keyblade in the game. It's, like, kind of the one you, like, craft. You have to craft it and everything. So I've been working towards that. And then there's a secret boss that I know of. But I don't know. I've been exploring a lot and I haven't stumbled upon more secret bosses. And I wonder if it's going to be like Kingdom Hearts 2 where Kingdom Hearts 2 only had Sephiroth as a secret boss and no other secret bosses. Whereas Kingdom Hearts 1 had four or five secret bosses. There's like Mm -hmm. Kritzisa, there's Sephiroth, there's like a bunch of other people. But I wonder if this is going to be a situation where there's only one secret boss and maybe they do DLC with more bosses or a weird other pack with like another world or something. Like I wonder if they're going to do something crazy like that which would be cool i think that would be like a good idea because if i'm working this much to get my strong ass keyblade i want to <laughs> yeah. use it on something more than one boss want to bust open some heads yeah i was gonna say earlier that i think it's sort of quaint that it has a secret ending that you have to fulfill a bunch of different uh objectives to be able to collect enough items or whatever to be able to uh, actually watch because you don't see that too much in other games i don't think anymore it feels like a throwback for sure sure in witcher 3 for example you'll get different endings depending on the decisions you make but with kingdom hearts it's straight up old school 
collect enough of this and do enough of that and oh you get the super super duper secret ending (laughs) it's definitely dialed back from what it used to be though i think in both the past mainline kingdom hearts games you had to get like a hundred percent which is bonkers like that would take forever oh cool i'm just gonna go watch that on youtube now bye exactly exactly but kingdom hearts 3 it's i unlocked it like super early on like i i don't I don't think they even announced the number of emblems you have to photograph, but it varies from difficulty to difficulty, and it wasn't that much. Like, I think it was probably maybe, like, 30, which is... They're, like, emblems are basically, like, little Mickey heads that you'll find throughout the world, so it could be, like, something etched in a wall, or it could be some barrels stacked on each other that look like a Mickey head. And they're pretty easy to spot, because your eye, like, becomes trained to, like, spotting these, like, Mickey heads everywhere. And it was pretty easy to get the like a bunch and i've been slow that's another thing i've been doing with my time in the post game is just going from world to world and exploring and trying to find the mickey ones i like lost and like helping our guides guy with it too because obviously he needs help so uh, <laughs> poor jake. yeah poor jake he has the toughest job <laughs> well getting back to what i was saying or asking earlier about whether you would recommend this game to a newcomer i personally wouldn't feel too uncomfortable picking up kingdom hearts 3 because i think it's a little like super robot wars in a way in the sense of i think it's less about the core story i think plenty of people care about the core story and for some reason hearts fans only care about the core story but for like i i think they're the most vocal for sure but I think that there's a large casual, not as vocal audience, who cares more about the Disney cameos. And I count myself among them. I really don't care about the overarching mythos of Xehanort and Aqua and everything. But I do care about Big Hero 6 and Frozen and Tangled and Ratatouille, especially Ratatouille. I love that movie. Uh, Being in this in this game and being able to explore this world, I always found that aspect of Kingdom Hearts to be the most charming. Also the Final Fantasy cameos, but there are no Final Fantasy cameos, which is a little yeah. bit of a bummer. Yeah. That's still like I think that's like one of my biggest disappointments is the lack of Final Fantasy. Because they've been like such a big part of the series and they've been like integral to being friends with Sora and helping him on his journey. And I still are like the big like moment in king march 2 where i think it was like radiant garden where there's like this big battle against the heartless and no heartless and nobodies i think and there's like a scene where like cloud and squall are like back to back and they're like oh you ready for this and it's like such a like, fan-servicey <laughs> moment yes like, yeah. <laughs> I love and it. this game's definitely lacking that cool element of it which is a bummer but also if they do dlc there's always a chance maybe they'll be like oh, Sid's back and he has a quest for you on, like, a gummy ship or something and you go somewhere and, like, maybe hang out with Final Fantasy people. Which Sid, Which the one cool. that swears a lot? <laughs> no, it's the... What Sid is it from? It might be the Sid from... They're all of Sid's. I know, there's, like, Probably Final Fantasy VII Sid. The Sid from Final Fantasy... Or the, the Sid in Kingdom Hearts is, like, a specific Sid from Final... The wife-beating Final Sid. Final Fantasy VII. I don't know what Sid it is. Is he smoking? If he's smoking, yeah. that's... He's the shop. He's the shopkeeper in Traverse Town in Kingdom Hearts One. He's like orange hair. Back in the original Kingdom Hearts, maybe we talked about this a little bit. It was cool seeing Cloud and Sephiroth, especially because up to that point we had only ever seen them in 
you know, boxy poly- polygonal form. So seeing uh-huh. them in full-blown, gorgeous PS2 visuals was amazing. And it was even more amazing that you could fight Sephiroth in the arena. And the improvement in graphics over the years, I think, has probably taken the edge off that a little bit. But on the flip side, it would have been nice to see lightning at least, or maybe having Cloud come back and getting a sort of a taste of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah, that's yeah, that's honestly what I was hoping for is Cloud mostly because I think Cloud and uh, Squall were like the biggest like sub Final Fantasy characters in the, and there's like Aerith too and uh, Yuffie and, and Zach. Yeah, Zach. Zach was in Birth by Sleep. Hello, the Final Fantasy VI crew needs some freaking love already. Come on, put them in there. Nah, don't. Just <laughs> live it well enough alone. It's got, it gets plenty of love. I, I guess. You get Terra, big deal. Terra and Dissidia. <laughs> Woo, all she does is complain. Bring Squall back. Yeah. Uh, 20th anniversary. I was expecting like Cloud at least in the Olympus because that's the Hercules role and he's always in the Colosseum. But nope, no one. Interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna Final Fantasy eight up things. Make it Laguna. Don't make it Squall. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, yeah, DLC. If that became a thing, like Kingdom Hearts two remix or whatever, that brought in a way more boss fights, like secret boss fights. So I'm hoping Kingdom Hearts three gets a similar thing down the line of just here's a bunch of secret bosses for you to do. <laughs> yeah, that'll be great. I could see it happening with Kingdom Hearts three if it makes it to PC. Because that's mm. what they did with Final Fantasy XV, right? They kind of remixed it and changed a lot of things. Though I don't know what Nomura would be like on that front. Maybe he would add a lot. Maybe he wouldn't. Who knows what is going through the mysterious mind of Tetsuya Nomura. But Probably, oh god, I gotta f- finish Final Fantasy VII Remake before I get my <laughs> skin taken from me. So, I mean, ultimately, it's been 18 years. Uh, Kingdom Hearts Three, I think, had a lot to live up to. I think that people were kind of doubtful that it could actually wrap everything up in a satisfying way, but it sounds like you were satisfied. Yeah, I think it was like a the, the my big thing was like, would it play well? I think narratively, I kind of expected it to tie up everything it was doing. I would, I mean, if it didn't, that would have been a whole other story. But I think the like um, the narrative beats it hits like land really well, especially for super duper long time fans of the series like they really went above and beyond with some of the stuff in the in the final like five hours especially are like really remarkable in some ways so i i don't know i'm really excited to see where the series goes next because it's inevitable like i honestly think this game's gonna sell like crazy i like my roommate who doesn't play any games at all she's so excited for king mars 3 she's getting a ps4 for it so it's definitely like a thing like people there are people that don't play games that only play kingdom hearts for some reason so (laughs) it just happened it just happened yeah i remember when it came out my friend's sister was playing it like crazy and she played it and, and she was not a big gamer either and she played it solely because of the disney cameos i, I think mm-hmm. there is a large segment of disney nuts yeah. who are very excited. And I think something you said, I think, in Slack really stood out to me, which is that it felt like you were actually in some of these movies. It looked just like the movie, which kind yeah. of blew your mind. It was, yeah, Tangled and Frozen especially, like, look, they look straight up like the movie. And it's a little bonkers. Like, Toy Story World also looks very good. 
they pretty much all look like the movie they're in. Except for Hercules. Hercules looks a little whack. Like, his eyes look very dead. <laughs> He's just, like, a very s- scary what? dude. Like, well, he looks he, like, like he was, like, a PS2 model just, like, lifted wholesale into the Yeah. It's just... It's kind of a weird style to begin off. with. I don't know. But other than that, everything looks great. Uh... Well, now that Kingdom Hearts 3 is is out, all we have, the only box we have left to check off uh, in terms of vaporware from Square Enix is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah. Someday. If it ever someday. comes out. Give it, give it uh, three more years, Five I think. Five years. <laughs> I think I predicted 2022. Oh, my God. It's definitely going to be next gen. Right. 2022. Oh, yeah, definitely next gen. Is that yeah. episode one or all of it? Uh. I think it's all total conjecture at this point, but I wouldn't be shocked if they abandoned the ep- the mm. episode format. Yeah, I've heard yeah. some people suggest, and this is again pure speculation, but I've heard some people suggest that the episode one quote unquote could actually just be the entire game, <laughs> and then <laughs> episode two is the follow up stuff. Um, Should be interesting. Probably interesting, but I mean at this point. Just don't even bother making it episodic. Just make it make the full thing. Just do May Final well. Fantasy Seven too. <laughs> no, don't oh, do that. <laughs> Actually, don't do Final Fantasy Seven remake at all. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this I'm to yourself, Square Enix? It might hurt me, but I want to give it a try. If Kingdom Hearts three didn't hurt us, uh, most people seem very positive on it. Um, I think Final Fantasy Seven remake won't hurt me either. I kind of want to go back to. Combat's good. I kind of want to go back to my podcast from back when it was a officially announced in 2015 and listen to myself talk and think to myself oh you sweet summer child <laughs> we were all sweet summer 2017 back then. for sure that's when it's coming out i was it has to be 2017 that's the anniversary i mean obviously <laughs> god it's only two years from now no 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 all right uh what do you think of kingdom hearts 3 send me if you want to have a comment on it, send me a line at cat.bailey at usgamer.net or tweet at me at the underscore catbot or at usgamer.net. Okay. Katie, thanks for coming on the show. And Thank you. thanks for talking to us about Kingdom Hearts 3. And we will look forward to your follow up coverage on the site throughout the week. All right, Nadia, as I already mentioned, last week we talked about Kingdom Hearts, so we kind of recapped it and everything, and people have been sending me DMs about it. Uh, This one's from Jeremy Pierce at Beware the Slimes. I love how you dedicated an episode to catching up on the Kingdom Hearts series. The original Kingdom Hearts is particularly special to me. There was something very striking about the commercials where Donald Duck, Goofy, and Jack Skellington were shown hanging out with anime-style RPG heroes to the tune of catchy bubblegum-style J-pop. Though my interest in the series has waned in recent years to how to how convoluted the overall story has become, that first game will always have a special place in my heart. No pun intended. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, of course not. Uh, Trey Johnson says, uh, Trey Johnson wants to defend Ease 8 on Nintendo Switch, Nadia. Oh, okay. Uh, by, all, by all means, go ahead. Uh, I know it's probably great, but I haven't had a chance to play through it yet. Well, and interestingly, we did an episode about it, if you'll recall. We had Ash, I think we had Ash Paulson on. Uh, That's right, yes. yes. To talk about it. And Ash had some real issues with Ease 8 on the Nintendo Switch. And at the mm-hmm. time, our assertion was that Ease 8 was a great game, and it had a lot of translation issues, and then somehow the translation had gotten even worse. Yes, 
That's right. Um, and that was on top of technical issues, especially when playing in handheld mode. And mm-hmm. Trey Johnson at Nintendo underscore domain says, Axel Blood God is one of my favorite shows. Thank you. I do have to write in to defend Ease 8 on Nintendo Switch. I listened to your episode where you had a guest saying that the translation was unexceptional. I brought the game regardless because he said it was an underrated RPG. I played the game on day one of release and didn't find any problems with the translation. I even played it all the way through and ended up being my favorite Switch game of 2018. What I'm saying is give it a look now. Whatever translation problem that was there has been fixed with patches on release and it doesn't deserve to be overlooked. Thanks for making a great show and I really miss the USG podcast. So uh, there you go, Nadia. Uh, I mean, you really liked Ease 8 when you played it back when it was first came out. Oh, yeah. Um, Ease 8 in pretty much all its forms is great. Uh, I know that there were some problems with the Switch port, and I imagine by now they've been smoothed out. I haven't heard otherwise. Uh, but I am definitely looking forward to Ease 9. Yeah, which, I'm looking uh, to Ease 9 as well. Yeah, It looks really, really interesting, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping we find out more about that this year. <laughs> uh, so looking at the show notes where we got letters from people, we have the Vagrant saying, I actually got a better synopsis of Kingdom Hearts. Sora rips off Zemnos's hood and gasps, it's old man Xehanort, the Keyblade Master. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's short and sweet and to the point. The challenger says, I would replay Kingdom Hearts 1 just to hear that beautiful soundtrack all over again. While Kingdom Hearts 2 is something I will occasionally replay since I enjoy it as a square action RPG, I look forward to Kingdom Hearts 3 and many children will spawn. I like to listen to... um, (laughs) I like to listen to it on uh, Spotify. So I often listen to video games, music live or something like that. I have, a, mm-hmm. I have a particular playlist that I like, too. And the Kingdom Hearts music occasionally pops up, an orchestrated version of that. And I'm always kind of struck by, wow, that's really nice and catchy and yeah. soaring and positive and epic. Yeah, it. Um, I listen to the RPG uh, radio network, and uh, it. Uh, the Kingdom Hearts music is very popular on there. Of course, you can request songs, and yeah, it's, it's unfailingly great music. In the last segment, we were talking about so Katie was mentioning how somebody was complaining about how Sora is uh, an extremely over annoyingly positive person. Yes. It would be so weird if the protagonist of Kingdom Hearts was grimdark, given that it's Disney, right? You, I agree. You know, they would have to be really positive, I think. Yeah, although you still have that Mickey Mouse and his brooding little uh, Mickey Mouse hood. Who made that? Uh, Did he make that himself? I, I think that was uh, Nomura, probably. Though my understanding <laughs> was that uh, Disney was extremely restrictive about how uh, Mickey Mouse was portrayed in the original Kingdom Hearts. He could only appear they once. Yeah. So he pops up at the end of the game. You see his silhouette and he helps lock the Kingdom Hearts. Uh-huh. Uh, I love that you do that. Um, <laughs> I can't help myself. Kuninino, Kat, Nadia, I need Vesperia talk, please. Well, uh, Nadia, did you get it in the mail yet? No, I, I'm waiting on it from Mike. Uh, I, I might just... What's wrong with the mail in the frozen north? Jeez. I don't even know if he sent it yet. And to his credit, I owe him something I haven't sent yet, so... Well, you should ask him. And if he hasn't sent it yet, just buy it. Yeah, I might just buy it and uh, for myself. Because, yes, I do need to play it. I know that Trails of Cold Steel 3 was the other game we were talking about. And somebody... Or Trails yes. of Cold Steel 2 was the other game we were talking about. And somebody was like, no, definitely play Trails of Cold Steel 2. So, uh, like I said, I, I want to know, should should Nadia be playing Vesperia or Trails of Cold Steel 2? Which one would you rather hear her talk about? And you should... Which one just came out? Was it 3, Vesperia? Uh, Tales of Vesperia sorry, remake? Uh, no, sorry, the uh, Trails of Cold Steel. That was 3 That was 2. Switch. 3 is coming out, getting localized soon. Oh, 
Okay. But there's a remaster of Trails of Cold Steel 1 and 2, I believe, coming out on PS4 soon. Right, but I'd rather just stick to the Switch if I can, because I'm spoiled. Muchan says, hearing Nadia talking about the super early days of YouTube made me remember how much anime I used to watch there. Ten minute limits, and you had to binge watch since you never knew what was going to be taken down because of copyright. Yes, it was it was a good time, all right. And then uh, YouTube extended their limits, much to their regret, I'm sure, because people would put, like, uh, YouTube poops that would go on for ten hours and uh, take up all their bandwidth. So everyone put that space to good use. I never watched I never watched anime on YouTube. I would watch it. Uh, I would torrent it. Yep. Ah, ah, now there's a word from the early aughts. Yeah, torrenting. I, I mean, I would torrent uh, Bleach. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I sure did torrent Bleach. That was something else from the early aughts. As it was coming out, uh, too. So that was the thing that happened. Wow, you were dedicated. You were into Bleach? I was really into Bleach when I was living in Japan. I watched like 160 episodes of that before I got bored. Wow. Before you get, so it wasn't even over. Oh heck, it wasn't even close to being over. It was in one of its zillion uh, filler arcs, and at a certain point, it's just like I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. I've tried. I've tried. I've given it my best. Nice guy, Neon. This might be the most not be the most popular opinion, but EA and Bioware need to stop making Dragon Age games. It's both a personal favor to me and as a public service to the RPG <laughs> community. Just stop it and focus entirely on Kotor. In a world where we do get a new Kotor, sure, let Bioware take a third crack at an average Dragon Age sequel with a generic world, boring combat, and dull companions. But until that point comes, I don't understand how EA could even consider not announcing KOTOR 3 or another Star Wars RPG of some kind by Bioware. Oh, come on, nice guy, Neon. The first Dragon Age was okay. <laughs> and I, Dragon I Age 2 wasn't played. great, but I really liked Dragon Age Inquisition. I played one for a few hours, and I was like, I feel like I've played Skyrim, so I don't need to play Dragon Age. I know I got killed for that, but... I mean, they're totally different games. Like, yeah, they know, have literally just... nothing in common. I know. Yeah. Because Dragon Age, because Skyrim is a first-person exploration RPG with just you, and it's just action. Whereas Dragon Age Inquisition is a party-based RPG that at least tries to make some, uh, at least tries to square the circle a little bit in being (laughs) a RPG that um, has some tactics, right? I do remember that the original Dragon Age had a dog, and I liked the dog. Did it? It did. It had a dog character that I was in my party, and I oh, really appreciated that. I barely remember this. God, it's been so it was, long. It was the dog belonging to that th- that half elf guy who everyone loves and is kind of stuck up and like oh. kind of hapless at the same time. Starts with an A. Okay. Yeah, Mike Nelson. <laughs> Mike Nelson, uh, a friend of mine, uh, tweeted at me and reminded me that I did the guides for Dragon Age Origins at One Up, uh, and that uh, apparently beautiful. it saved Christmas. Kept the lights on that Christmas. Oh, oh, wow. Congratulations, Kat. Uh, in the end, I guess it didn't really matter, but for a while there, you were the hero. I wouldn't object to a new Dragon Age, because I think Inquisition was often very pretty, for one thing, and mm-hmm. the combat was fine. I think the things that stood out to me was it was always really exciting getting into a new world and having it be completely blank and just wondering what I was going to find and what interesting side quest I was going to find in that particular world. I really enjoyed uh, the masquerade ball scene. I think it had some really good set pieces. And by and large, it felt a little more like itself and less like a ripoff of Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> yeah. But then again, I think everything in that time period rips off a Song of Ice and Fire. 
And Siggy Zara says, Final Fantasy is the spirits within could have, could have dashed Square's prospects of ever doing anything exceedingly cinematic with their games, but Disney letting them make Kingdom Hearts was definitely a shot of that confidence, which became kind of a hubris as Nomura Helms games either died in development or were waiting a decade for them to come out. At least some of them don't have to wait until our late 30s to play Kingdom Hearts 3. I don't know, speak for yourself. I know some people who have to wait until their late 30s to play Kingdom Hearts 3. I know someone who, uh, when the first Kingdom Hearts came out, she was uh, in elementary school. Now she's like, oh, i got to find someone to watch the baby so I can play Kingdom Hearts 3. Rider Kicker says, if we're going to shoe in a boy meets girl romance in Frozen, I think maybe Elsa would have been better off with that big nose guy. Thank you, Katie, for explaining the lore of Kingdom Hearts and being of the generation who grew up playing it. You've seen the best and worst of Numera. Okay. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Acts of the Blood God is a U.S. Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. Of course, leave us a really nice comment. We love hearing from you. Send me a tweet. Send me a letter cat.bailey at usgamer.net leave a note on our show notes we may read your sh- your notes on the show and talk about them and all of that good stuff you can find me on twitter at the underscore catbot nadia at nadia oxford and katie at you may katie that's y-u-m-e-c-a-t-y next week we'll be back and i don't know maybe we'll be talking about tales of vesperia i'm not sure we'll see uh, yeah. But we've been wanting to do the get back into the top twenty-five RPG countdown, but unfortunately, the next the next one is kind of guest dependent, and uh, the guest that I w- have wanted to try to be getting lined up, well, he's been having a hard time getting on the show, and through no fault of his own, so yeah, uh, we may have to find a different special guest to be able to do this segment. But I mean, Kingdom Hearts has been carrying us in the meantime, so it's been okay. <laughs> Oh, God, it's been so long since since we've been waiting on this, so it may as well carry us a little bit longer. Yes, indeed. All right, we'll be back next time, as always. And until then, for me, Nadia, and Katie, thanks for listening. Happy adventuring.